Well, good morning to everyone here with us and everyone who is watching online. Just from the looks of it, there seems to be more of us online today than there has been in the past couple of weeks because of, I believe, the changing numbers and increased things that are taking place in our city. If you will go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. As you turn there, uh, just by way of introduction, my name is Larry Lyon. I'm one of the members here at FBNO, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to uh, share with you again from God's Word today. Um, do continue to pray for the Gilbert family. Do pray for Chad as our pastor. Um, I keep telling you every time I preach, I promise he's coming. I'll say it once again. I promise he will be with us. Psalm 86. Here's what I've titled today's message, just so you can know where we're going. Uh, I was thinking as Pastor Rick was talking and singing, I thought maybe I may just change it to whatever Pastor Rick just said. Um, because today we're going to talk about what to do when it's hard. Lament in the greatness of God. Lament in the greatness of God. And we'll see that from Psalm 86. But this was a topic that even prior to the start of this week that I thought would be good for us to walk through. Because last week, if you were with us or if you heard the message, we talked about having confidence in the better things from Hebrews chapter 6. And we looked at that God was just, that he sees what we do, that God is generous, that he blesses his people, that he gives us those that we can look to to know what it means to follow Christ, and that God himself is our anchor. He is indeed the one that we can trust in. In the eye of the storm, wherever we find ourselves, and then as the uh, continued things of this week went on, I thought I could maybe just preach that again. That we need to hear once again that we need God more than anything else in our lives and that none of our hope placed in things apart from Him will ever truly satisfy. Those things are not sure. And if we hope in anything else, it will fail. But I think Psalm 86 today and a lot of Psalms offer us something uh, as a means by which to, what do we do? If we're to be confident in these better things, what is it that we're supposed to do? How do we do it when it's hard? That sounds great, Larry, when things are going okay, but when I've been sinned against and it hurts, when you've committed a grievous sin and you know that you've caused hurt and pain and it's deep that things got to that point. When you're sick or someone you know is sick, when someone has passed away and just like that song said, when those that we love die, when we lose jobs, when there's a pandemic and there is fear and worry, when our political situation is full of turmoil and strangeness and things that we have never seen before, when we see the poisonous language on social media and the things that are taking place, what do we do? Because it's hard. 
called lament. We may know it by other names of being sorrowful or grieving or complaining or mourning or being upset or repenting. The Bible calls it lament. And all lament is, it's a simple definition, is a song of sorrow. A song of mourning. And oftentimes I think that as the church, we forget that it's okay to lament. Actually, we ought to lament. Our culture wrestles with lament all around us. What do we do with sadness? I don't, I've only lived in New Orleans for about a year and a half. I don't really, I haven't really heard a whole lot of country music. I guess, is there country music in New Orleans? I don't know. Maybe many of you know George Jones. George Jones wrote a song called, He Stopped Loving Her Today. And he thought it was too sad. Rolling Stone says it's the greatest country song that's ever been written. Maybe you don't listen to country music. Maybe you have some kids and like me, you watch Disney cartoons. So maybe you've seen Inside Out which is a movie about a young girl growing up and getting into her teenage years and they show all of these emotions that are going on inside of her and there's this wrestling of joy. Joy wants to dominate everything, right? We want to be happy people. But as the story unfolds, we find out that as it goes on and on, that there's a place for sadness. And so it's kind of a funny take on it. But here's what it tells us is that we in this world have to wrestle with sadness and darkness and when it's hard. Because I and others can tell you to be confident in the better things, but we all know we have those situations, those things that are deep inside of us to where it just doesn't feel right to slap on a happy face. And the good news is, is that God doesn't expect us to. Yes, we're to have joy. Yes, we're filled with the Spirit. But yes, there's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. Over a third of the Psalms are laments. Jesus, as he is preparing to walk into the passion and face death, when he grieves in the garden... We don't sense this unbelievable sense of just, yay. When we stop and think about sweating drops of blood, Jesus is lamenting God if there is another way. But I know there's not, so not my will, but your will be done. He is grieving. He is lamenting when he is hanging on the cross and he quotes Psalm 22 and he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus is sad and grieving and it is okay for us to do likewise. So what do we do when it's hard? We lament. We lament. And here's why. I'll just, I'll tell you the conclusion today. Because God is greater God is greater than any of our sadness, our hurts, our pains, our sins, our worries, our concerns. 
You crying out to God in sorrow and in pain does not upset him. He knows it already. He welcomes it. He is the balm for the wound. And if we don't bring it to him, if it's not ever before him, I would dare say that our worship is incomplete. We see lament all through the Old Testament, as I mentioned, but even in the New Testament, we see that when lament shows up, and even Jesus himself, we recognize that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of our cries. And if you read the end of the story, we know that our lament finally finds its rest in Christ. And that is good news for us. It is guaranteed for us in Jesus' resurrection. So what do we do when it's hard? What do we do when it's hard? This is where we'll look at Psalm 86 today, and hopefully it provides for us some little bit of window of encouragement that regardless of what we face, regardless of where you find yourself today, you may not be in a place of lament today, but you will. These things will come if they have not already. What we want to avoid as we look at Psalm 86 today is just passing it by and thinking that everything is just okay and just fine in our lives. Because ultimately what that does is make us complacent. It makes us not bear true witness to Christianity and the gospel. It doesn't make us a church that's welcoming to a world that is hurting and desperate for hope. So let's learn to lament well. And we'll try to do that in 30 minutes, right? We'll try to do all of that in 30 minutes. I'm going to read Psalm 86. And then I'm just going to break through a couple of things. Words that we see throughout this that help us to trust God. To worship Him in fuller ways, that we would know him not just as, um, as some far-off, distant, strange God, but rather we would know him as one who draws near to us. Follow with me as we read in Psalm 86. Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress for you will answer me. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods. There are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord, my God. And will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great. And you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. 
God, arrogant people have attacked me. A gang of ruthless men intends to kill me. They do not let you guide them, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your female servant. Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped to comfort me. Pray with me as we look at this. Father, we love you. We thank you that indeed you are great. You are, in fact, the greatest. There is no hurt or shame, worry, doubt, fear that we can bring to you that you are not greater than. You are greater than all these things. And as we look at Psalm 86 today, God, we pray that this would just build, that we would be more confident in the better things that you give and who you are. And God, help us to not grow weary. But instead, we pray that you would use our laments to deepen our understanding of you and how you work and your invitation to come to you with all that we have and all that we are. God, we cannot clean ourselves up. We cannot make ourselves happy. We cannot pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We need you and your work in our lives. And so we pray, like David, that we would be taught your ways that we would see your greatness and that it would bear fruit for us in these days which truly are hard. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. What makes lament possible? What makes lament necessary for us? And it is this. It is the greatness of God himself. It is the greatness of God himself. There is nothing that we could bring to God that is going to throw him off. That's going to make him nervous that he doesn't know what to do with it. There is nothing that goes on in our lives. The unsurety of our very next steps, our complaints, our misunderstandings, our not knowing what's going on, the things that we have seen and heard, the experiences that we walk through. It is the greatness of God. And that when we see that, then enables us to cast our cares upon him. Because not only does he care, he is the only remedy. And how, how do we see the greatness of God? And I think in Psalm 86, we see three things. Three big, big ideas that help us to know that the greatness of God can handle any lament that we might bring or possess. And it's these, these three things. The greatness of God is personal. The greatness of God is personal. We'll see that in just a moment. The greatness of God is superior. It is far better and greater than anything or any person. And lastly, that 
The greatness of God is relevant in my and your life, First Baptist of New Orleans life, in the workings of this entire world. So let's look at each one of those. God's greatness is personal. Look again with me at verses 1 through 5 and really throughout this entire psalm. It says, listen, Lord, and answer me. I am poor and needy. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life, because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in all faithful love to all who call on you. The the psalmist here, he uses three different names of God as he walks through that. If you look at your Bible and, and if your translation is like mine, in the very first verse, you see L-O-R-D in all capital letters. This, is, this represents the name, this Lord here with all caps is Yahweh. This is the name that God himself gives himself. It, Think in your mind of the time in which Moses is speaking to the burning bush and Moses says to the burning bush, well, who do I say sent me? And then God speaks from the bush and says, I am that I am. Which I think is just an incredibly cool thing to say, right? God says, I am who I am. And we know exactly who he's talking about. So he addresses him that way. He also addresses him as God. You are my God. This is Elohim. This is what we see in the very first pages of the Bible in Genesis. The one who is the creator, maker, and sustainer of the heavens and the earth. So he's not just Yahweh, the grand and glorious God who reigns over everything. He is the creator God who has made everything that we know and see and knows exactly where you are. And then he says, be gracious to me, Lord. This Lord is different from the first Lord. This is capital L and then lowercase O-R-D. This is Adonai. This is his kingship and his rulership over your life. The psalmist David here recognizes he knows who God is. But David also talks as though God knows who he is. He calls him my God. So this grand, magnificent, great God, yet David has the audacity to say that, my God, hear me, my God, listen to me. Please, I'm begging you, God. I am poor and needy, hear me. And the eternal timeless, self-existent God who bases the operations of this world and his salvation on his name and on his oath. Here's the psalmist. He knows him. He says, God, you, I'm your servant. You hear my prayer. You Hear my plea for mercy that you are a forgiving God and abounding in faithful love. So this greatness of God in our lives, how does it allow lament? Well, because it's personal. 
God knows you. He loves you. And he knows when you're hurting and he cares. Only a great God would allow this sort of petition that he's poor and needy. Hear my cries. My world is crumbling around me. We see later on that people are chasing him to kill him and he doesn't know what else to do other than to turn to God. And God allows for it. Are you confused? Do you not know why? Do you wrestle with what it is is going on around you personally or nationally or in the world? Do you have those nagging questions, those painful things that you don't have answers to? Yeah, you do. Take them to God. He welcomes them. He is your personal great God who loves you and wants to hear. And it is only when we take these things to him that we get to know God in these ways. In the valley of the shadow of death and in the eye of the storm. We know that God is with us because he's told us that he will be and that when, he cry, when we cry out to him, he will answer. So God, God lets you lament. He lets you do it. Do not think that you have to have it all together. Do not think that when you walk through these doors, you have to just slap on a happy face. God welcomes your lament. Second thing is this. Not only is it personal, but God's greatness is superior. In the New Testament, we see many times over that Paul talks about many gods and many lords, like in 1 Corinthians 8, 5. We see in verse 8 here that David said, there's no one like you among the gods. In 2 Corinthians, Satan is called the God of this age. In John chapter 12, Satan is called God of this world. You notice it's lowercase g, God. And in this sense, we're talking about spiritually significant and strong beings, ones like Satan. Please do not dismiss the strength, the craftiness, the work of Satan. The Bible calls him a little g God. It means the Bible's not messing around with Satan. But what it does tell us is that God is greater than anything else, including Satan and his schemes. As we see in verses 8 through 10, Lord, there is none like you among the gods. There are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are, capital G, God. You alone are God. You alone are superior. You alone are great in every capacity. God is greater than angels or demons or saints or evil spirits, rulers and powers of this world and in the world that is unseen and all spiritual hosts and wickedness. God is greater than all of those things. 
and we can cry out to him when we face every ounce of trouble and worry and concern in this world, when we face the temptations of the evil one and Satan, and we know that evil spirits are around us. And when the world is crashing down because the rulers of this age are in fact not God and we can't place our trust in them, that we can cry out to a great God who is superior than all of those things. Praise God that that's who our God is. But not only is he personal, not only is he superior, the greatness of God is relevant in all things. And here's why I say this. You know, oftentimes as Baptists, we are rightfully concerned with the Great Commission. That every name, that every person throughout all the earth would hear the name of Christ and bow down to him. And that we bear the responsibility to carry that out. And there's oftentimes I, I think in my mind, it's not possible. And I have this great fear of what's to take place. And sharing Christ ought to be a conviction of ours for this very reason. But here's what I think is good news that comes from a psalm of lament. The Great Commission cannot and will not fail. The Great Commission cannot and will not fail because it rests on God. Flip over quickly with me to Psalm 22. I mentioned this earlier in the lament of Jesus, but we're going to look at a couple of passages within Psalm 22. First is this. Verses 1 and 2. These are the verses that Christ cries out as he is dying a horrifically painful and miserable death. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night, yet I have no rest. That's lament. That's the heaviness and the weariness of a soul that is in pain, that is groaning. And anytime we see a psalm quoted like this in the New Testament, it's meant not just to point us to those particular verses, but it points us to the entire psalm. So why would Jesus, as he's dying on the cross, quote that psalm? Because his hearers would have remembered this as well. Verses 27 and 28. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules the nations. The greatness of God matters for us in our day-to-day life in one way in particular, and is that the Great Commission cannot and will not fail. That the lament of Christ on the cross doesn't just point us to his sorrow and his pain and his death, but it points us to his victory that God will accomplish his purposes and he will use you and I to do it. It is relevant to our day-to-day lives. 
Look at verses 11 through 17 with me. I'm just going to pick through a couple of things here to point out. Teach me your way, Lord. Teach me your way. What does this matter for us? Learning obedience, following Christ, becoming more like him. If we, if we knew the ways of God, if we knew the greatness of God, better and more in our day-to-day lives, how much more able and willing would we be to fight sin? How much of a better job of obedience to Christ would I do and not getting angry at my kids when they make mistakes? How much less would I pout less and get my feelings hurt in my marriage or my friendships? How much more would I not get discouraged by what I see going on in the world around me if I knew the ways of God and trusted in them and recognized that his greatness was at work? How much more would I be able to see as Pastor Rick sung God's grace in the eye of the storm. If we knew the ways of the Lord and trusted in him. We see the psalmist cries out to give God all the glory in verse 12. I praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever. This is the lordship of God in our lives. In every moment, in every day. We talked about it last week. Whether we eat or drink. In the most mundane things, that we would give glory to God and we will see his glory at work. It matters in our day-to-day life. We see the psalmist in verse 16 crying out for his strength and for his salvation. We cry out to him because his strength is ever faithful. It is great and powerful. There's nothing that he cannot do. We see that the psalmist cries out to be on God's side of the victory. We know that God will indeed win. If you know the end of this book, you know the end of God's word to us. You know who wins this. So our frustration and pain and crying out in the middle is no worry for God. We know that we have ultimate ultimate victory in him. We know that he is the defeater of all of our enemies both spiritual and physical. We know that there is nothing that his greatness does not supersede. And so when that diagnosis comes or that phone call comes or that pain or frustration resurfaces or that temptation comes once again, we know who wins and he invites us to call for his victory and to walk in that. But ultimately... His greatness is relevant for us because it is in that and that alone that we find his rest. That we find his rest. Verse 17, show me a sign of your goodness and my enemies will see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped and comforted me. Lament helps us to find God's rest. It helps us to cry out and to 
call to mind to God what our struggles are and what we're wrestling with. It helps us to say those things and to name those things and to confess those things so that we can find the rest of God. For some of you, that might be spiritual rest, the striving and the trying your best to clean yourself up and to just do right. And you need to rest in God's work through his Holy Spirit in your life to let him work in and through you, that you cannot do it on your, in your own strength, by your own power. You need the Spirit of God to continue to work in you. Some of you need physical rest from the busyness of this life, from the striving and chasing after things. Perhaps there's wounds that you seek to flee from or there are people that you are fearful of. Maybe it's a fear of man and just a sense of reputation or genuine fear of abuse or of worry and you need physical rest. Cry out to God. We can lament because of the greatness of God, because the good news that we know is that what we deserve, Jesus takes for himself. And in return, when we cry out to him, he gives us his hope, his righteousness, and his peace. Feel free to lament. By way of invitation, conclusion of our time this morning, I want to offer us a time to think on these two things. Spend some time in prayer. Perhaps you need to lament this morning. Perhaps you've tried to hold off or to think that you're just, you know, tomorrow will be a better day. But instead, what you need to do is to cry out to God and plead for his help, to plead for his mercy, to bring your complaint to him and trust that he will work. If that's not you this morning, perhaps you just need to thank God for his greatness, to spend some time in prayer recounting and remembering and thinking on the great things that he has done and the great thing that he is and that he knows you and loves you. I want to pray for us and then as Pastor Rick and the team play and sing that you would be yourself praying, lamenting, or dwelling on the greatness of God. Pray with me. Father, you are indeed great in great things you have done. God, the world is not right. And we're not just okay. So God, we pray in this moment that you would help us to think rightly about how to cry out to you to trust you in our hurt and in our shame and in our pain. When we don't understand the events of this world, when we don't understand 
what's going on when we look at this first week of 2021 and we think, how long, oh Lord? God, we pray that you would help us to remember your greatness, how you love us and care for us, that we can call you our God, that you hear us, that we are poor and needy. We're fearful. We worry. We let our minds chase after foolish things. We need to think on your greatness. Allow us to anchor our lives there. Father, I pray that as we spend this time in prayer and response, that you would indeed bless us. Bless us to cry out to you and bless us to think on your greatness. And that as we depart from this place, may we be ever mindful of your work in our lives. To be obedient in the small things and to trust you in those same things. So God, we love you. We thank you that Christ has given himself for us. May we be faithful to him. Pray this in Christ's name, amen.